we study through the Lord's Prayer and what burdens the Lord taught us to give to him, the real ones, the ones that matter for our own growth and grace and for our witness to the world. Lord's Day 49, we come to the third petition on page 895 in the back of your songbooks. Page 895, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? And we have a summary of what that means. The Bible's teaching about this in Lord's Day 49, question and answer 124. What does the third petition mean? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Means help us and all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk to obey your will for it alone is good. Help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. And then let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 143. Where David, in the midst of troubles, prays for help to do God's will. Psalm 143, page 620. A Psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way that I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul for I am your servant. Especially verse 10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. May God bless his word to our hearts and lives. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Psalm 143 is like a man canoeing upstream in a rough river. He's received the command to go upstream because that's where the king's leading him. That's where the good land is. But he's very tempted to go downstream because it would make life so much easier. And, and maybe the cliff on the other side won't be so bad or the waterfall is not so bad. 
Well, that's what the Christian life is like. Sometimes it'd be so much easier to listen to the world, to listen to your own sinful heart, to obey Satan's suggestions and follow his lead rather than listen to God. Doing God's will can be a great pain in our lives. And that's the reason Jesus told his disciples, you've got to make this a matter of prayer. You've got to pray to your heavenly father. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've got to cast upon your heavenly father the burden of obedience, the burden of doing God's will. Because when all the pressures of the world come upon you, you'll need your heavenly father's help to keep his commandments. When you're canoeing upstream in a rough river, You'll want desperately to go the other way. And you're going to need help. So we want to learn the meaning of this prayer today. Our Father in heaven, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Under not my will, the burden of obeying. God's will can be difficult. But his will is always good, brothers and sisters. So God... Help us to trust and obey. Martin Luther said, this is the most difficult of the prayers. He said, I can pray, hallowed be your name, and sort of keep that at a distance. I can pray with excitement, your kingdom come, and and wait for this big movement for the kingdom to come. But when I pray this one, your will be done. Now I have to do something. And that sticks in my throat. Because this is very hard for me to do. When my will crosses with God's will, he said. God's will can be difficult. Especially when life is a battle. And it usually is, isn't it? Jesus taught us to pray this prayer. Not because we're such compliant children. Because we're not. He taught us to pray this prayer, not because we're always eager to obey him. Because we're not. We're eager to find excuses and loopholes not to obey him. Don't we have that? My situation requires an exemption. It's so hard. I must have an exemption from doing God's will and and going my own way. That's how we think. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us in all people, says the catechism. Help us in all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk, obey your will. Now, let's get our bearings here and ask, in what sense is Jesus talking about God's will in this prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can talk about God's will, DV, Deo Valente, As James teaches us, we should not presume that our plans will work out because God's plan is what's going to happen. If if it's the Lord's will, we will do, do this or that. That's God's will of plan, what God has planned for himself to do. That's not what this prayer is about. May your will be done is his will of command. May your will be done by us. Help us to keep your commandments. It's a big prayer. Help us to keep your commandments no matter what, like the angels do in heaven. May we on earth imitate what's going on in heaven. 
back to Psalm 143 and paddling upstream. David's in big trouble. There's that canoe in verse 10. Wanting to go God's way, Lord, teach me to do your will. But the rest of the verses are the rough waters coming against that canoe. He starts with a plea for mercy and a confession of guilt. And then he goes, goes on to talk about the turbulent waters he's in. There's a crushing enemy and there's a fainting heart. Crushing enemy on the outside, a fainting heart within. I can't handle this is what that means. His soul is thirsty and he stretches his hands out to God for relief in this desert of his life. And in all his trouble, he in this canoe prays for two things. Number one, deliver me from my enemies. And number two, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. I, I really badly don't. Don't want to do your will. Can you imagine that in the conflict with Saul? That was rough. King Saul going after him. He could have argued. He could have agreed with his friends. I have the right now to kill Saul. It's time. Look at all that he's doing to me. God's will was that he not put his hand against the Lord's anointed. How do I keep following God's will when that might kill me? When there's so much pain. He knew this struggle very personally. He's canoeing upstream. Because upstream is where the Lord is taking him, where the good land is. Lead me by your spirit on level ground. Or it might mean two level ground. Not my will, Lord, not my will. I need help doing your will when I'm under all the pressure to give, to, to give in and go the easy way. You know, that's the pressure the Lord Jesus faced in, in his life. He faced it for us. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was agonizing about going to the cross and agonizing about drinking the cup of God's wrath for sinners, that was his struggle. Give his life over to doing God's will. He said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And Father sent an angel to strengthen him. He gave his life over to doing God's will. Why? Because we didn't and we don't. And see, God sent his son to do that in our place. To be faithful. Be glad and obedient and doing God's will to the end, even if it killed him. And he did that for our salvation. And now Jesus is saying, I want you to replicate that in your life. Because I came to restore this earth to doing the opposite of what our first parents did in the garden where they disobeyed God's will. I came to bring about a radical transition to this whole earth, doing God's will again. And he planted the seed. He planted the seed in his own obedience. And so he saved me from following my own will. He planted in me the seed of doing God's will. That's what regeneration is. And this is where the war enters my life. You know, before I was a Christian, there really wasn't much war. I just 
did what I pleased. I did my own will. It was easy. I followed my heart. I followed my feelings. I followed the world's opinions, right? I used to be captive to Satan to do his will, but now I belong to Jesus and I want to obey God's will. And so now the Christian life is a war of wills. I must war against my own sinful will to do the Father's will. Jesus planted that war in me when I was converted. And rarely do we paddle in smooth waters where doing God's will is easy. There's always some turbulent water where it'd be easy to go the other way. It's a battle that requires constant prayer. Jesus said, you've got to give this over to the Lord in prayer if you're going to live this life that I'm living so that by God's grace, you can live it. It's a battle that requires constant prayer. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. We need the spirit of God to lead us in the right way, the good way, to make the rough ground level before us so we can walk in it. And he will. You know, when you were warring with that choice to do God's will, you saw all the monsters ahead. It looked impossible. I can't do that. And then the Holy Spirit gave you strength to obey God's will and, and God opened the way and blessed you. Didn't you find that? It's what he does. Matthew Henry writes, we cannot find the way that will bring us to that land unless God shows us. We can't go in that way unless he takes us by the hand and leads us as we lead those who are weak. So necessary is the grace of God, not only to put us in the good way, but to keep us in it and carry us the whole way. Well, how are you being tempted to go against God's will in your life? To go away that looks more glamorous, fun, prosperous. Go away that causes less pain and less suffering and less mockery. Go, away, go the way of pleasure instead of the way of bearing your cross. Maybe you feel like running out of a difficult marriage. Maybe you want to escape difficult children rather than invest in them and parent them. Maybe you want to end your life rather than work through its pain. Maybe you'd rather hide in your room and play computer games than go out and be a blessing to other people. Where's the conflict of wills in your life? Maybe you desperately want to reach out for the bottle instead of reach out for God's hand and go where he leads you. And maybe every time something goes against your will, you want to rage and get angry rather than respond God's way patiently and kindly. Maybe you're falling in love with someone that you shouldn't be, and right now you need the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God's will and say no to that relationship. Are you in that spot? 
Maybe you're facing all kinds of pressure at work or home to approve the homosexual or transgender lifestyle and you're sorely tempted to go along in order to get along for fear of losing your job or your friends. And you need help right now to speak the truth and love to stand up for the Lord Jesus. Maybe you need to play league on Sundays in order to stay on the team and you're tempted to think that staying on the team is better than doing God's will. Maybe you feel a lot of inward pressure right now to hang out with the wrong friends who are leading you away from walking with God, away from following Jesus. And every time you say yes to them, you're saying no to God and there's this war and you need help right now to cast that burden upon the Lord. Not my will, Lord. Holy Spirit, lead me on level ground. Clear away those monsters, those fears that are telling me I'm forced to go against God's will when I'm not. Well, Pressure can be mounting on you in so many different ways to argue against God's will and to rationalize following your own will. The question is not whether we're facing a clash of wills right now in our life, but where and how. And Jesus said, you need to take that to the Lord in prayer. You need to cast that burden on the heavenly father. You need to pray for him to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can obey right now, right where the crisis is, to do what's right. Do what's right. Because secondly, God's will is always good. It can be difficult, but it's always good. You see, obeying God's will is always a matter of faith because you gotta trust God's will to be good. If you're not confident his will is good, how are you going to have the strength to obey? It's always a matter of faith. Your will is good. It can look bad, but it's good. The will of my sinful nature can look good, but it's always bad. It's always bad. It's always a matter of trust and obey. Trusting comes first and obedience follows. So we've got to face this. Does God really want what's good for me? Or is he just laying down a bunch of rules to make my life difficult? Because he's a killjoy and somehow my pain gives him pleasure. Is that who he is? Sometimes we think about our good God that way. But you know what? He loved you so much. He gave his son to die on the cross for you. And because he didn't want to let go of you or lose you, he filled you with his spirit to hold on to you. You think a God who's so committed to your well-being is going to have commandments, lay up before you his will that's crushing or bad or harmful? Never. Do you think when you're in the canoe paddling upstream that he's laughing at your hardships? And your struggle? No. He wants to keep you from the fatal waterfalls that goes the other way. And he wants you to reach the land of glory that goes upstream in this world, in the clash of wills. 
So we know the answer. Is God's will good? Of course. The catechism puts it so well. Simply and pointedly, help us and all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk to obey your will, for it alone is good. Again, how often David was tempted, even by his closest allies, that he had the right to take out King Saul. You deserve it. After all he's done to you. And then to be convinced by the Spirit, no, God's will is good. That I don't lay a finger on the Lord's anointed. And I wait for God's time for me to go to the throne. He needed to pray. Maybe that's the context he's in right here. Teach me, O Lord, to do your will, for you are my God. And when David says that, for you are my God, he says it several times in the psalm in the context of saying, and you are good. Listen, for example, to this one example in Psalm 31, verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord, I say you are my God. When he says you are my God, he's saying, I trust you. You are good. You are right. You're my savior. It's a confession of faith. You're first and best in my life. I have no other good beside you. If I leave you, all my hope is gone. If I stray from you, I'm turning my back on what's good. Are, you, are we convinced of that? If I stray from you, go my own way. I'm turning my back on what's good. That's how good God's will is. That's how good God is. If I follow my own will, I might have a moment's relief and pleasure. But the hangover is terrible. And it gets repeatedly worse as I keep going my own way until I kill myself. If I have... If I follow my own will to have a moment's relief and pleasure, but I turn my back on my greatest good and my best friend and my truest joy and purest pleasure? No, God, you're my savior and you would never require anything of me that is harmful, that is wrong, or that is unwise. And what's good for others too, besides me? So doing God's will, obeying God is a matter of trusting him. That his will is good. It's good for you and me. Listen to some testimonies from scripture that God's will is good. Romans 12 verse 1, I'm going to give five. Romans 12 1, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what's the will of God, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Paul says in Romans 7 verse 12, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And then in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. His will is altogether good for you, for me. In Psalm 119, 128, and 129, the psalmist says, Therefore I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. 
And then Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. My son, don't forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Wow. So part of praying this prayer congregation against my will to do God's will is to spend time in his will. Learning it. Savoring it. Meditating on it. The closer we look at this, the more we'll love God's law and delight in it. What we tend to do when we're in the canoe paddling upstream and all these turbulent waters are against us, we spend a lot more time meditating on our will, what we want, how we feel. No, we need to deal with that. We need to face that. But we spend all that time in our own wills, then self-will will just grow. And eventually it'll steamroll God's will. But if we truly meditate on God's will and the beauty of what God wants, it'll expose just how ugly and ruinous my self-will is. And where that's going to take me, it'll encourage me to see where that's going to take me if I go that way. And if I make this wrong choice right now, for this wrong friendship or this wrong relationship or this wrong way out. That is going to lead to a lot of devastation. Only God's will can show us that. Oh, Holy Spirit, then teach us your will and teach us to do your good will because that's where the ground is truly level. And that's the life that is truly good and beautiful. Satan will put all kinds of monsters to show you all sorts of monsters that you can't handle. And try to have you choose the wrong way, but when you trust the Lord and commit your life to him and to his will, Satan's lies will be exposed and the Lord will clear the way and make it level. It's a wonderful promise. So God... We see, thirdly, help us to trust and obey. I need help to make the right choices right now. And I need help every day to keep making the right choices, Lord, because this battle is going to continue. The Catechism explains this prayer well. Help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray for help to get our wills in line with God's will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's radical for at least these two reasons. As it's done in heaven, you want, wait, Lord, you want heavenly obedience from this soul? Yeah, I do. That's why you need to pray. Heavenly obedience. Like the angels do in heaven. That's how you want me. Yes, that's how I want you. That's why I sent Jesus. The holy angels obey God's will swiftly, willingly, and gladly. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. 
obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. And then Luke 1, verse 19, the angel answered Zechariah, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. That's heaven in action. And Jesus said, I want you to pray that you reflect that on earth. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's one radical aspect of it. Like heaven? Yes. The second radical aspect, on earth. You mean the whole globe? Yes. You mean you want everybody? Everybody? To do God's will on earth as it's done in heaven? Yes. That's the burden. The burden is not only for perfect obedience, but for worldwide obedience. And Jesus wants us to feel that burden of a world that doesn't want to obey God's commandments. He wants us to feel the burden of a world that seeks its own pleasure, its own will, and defies God's will. And that's why I like the way the catechism makes this a global, sees this as a global enterprise, a global prayer. Help us and all people, all people, to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk, obey your will. Help everyone, not just me, help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. So do we really have a burden, not only that we do God's will, but our neighbors do? Our neighbors have no respect for God's commandments by and large. In fact, they think God's commands are dangerous. They're harmful. They've they've swallowed that lie. They're so committed to following self-will that that's the only way that's that's the good life. It's such a, a lie. And they need to be rescued from that. Does does that weigh heavily upon me as the psalmist says Lord rivers of tears flow from my eyes because men do not keep your law I have that grief for my neighbor and that's where we see where the great commission comes in brothers and sisters this is all part of the great commission this prayer the burden of this prayer is felt In the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Go everywhere, teach people, not just teach people God's will, but teach them to do it. All God's commandments, all Jesus' commandments. Then you say, wait, if I am to be a vehicle of my neighbor obeying the Lord's will, that adds to me the burden on me to do God's will so that I can share Jesus Christ and his purpose to bring us into a life of keeping God's commandments. I can share that, but I can't share that if I'm not living it. I can't live it if I'm not praying it. You see how that all comes together. 
And that's how really the rubber meets the road in the third request. Hallowed be your name. I want me and everybody to lift up the name of Jesus. How do you do that? Your kingdom come by submitting to his reign, his authority. But, well, that looks nice. Those are nice words. What does that look like? Doing his will. Keeping his commandments. Doing what's right in the small and big things every day. So people can know. He's not following his feelings. He's not doing his own thing and going his own way. He's, he really believes in Jesus. He's really a follower. He really trusts that paddling upstream is required when Jesus is leading the way that way. May God give us that grace. Say no to self-will and yes to God's will. It's all in Jesus. He's lived that life for us, paid for all our sins of going our own way and brought us that power of going a new way. May he fill us. Amen. Father, this conflict of wills is in our own lives. Often what we want to do and even what we think is right, when we check with the scriptures, is not what you want us to do and what's not right. Help us then, Lord, to make the right choice and go your way instead of our own, even if it hurts. Father, give us your grace in that way to be good ambassadors of Christ and servants of your kingdom by obeying King Jesus in the big things and the small things so that we can also teach others to observe all that Christ has commanded. We pray for a world where the whole earth is so full of doing God's will that heaven and earth actually join together in complete harmony. What a day that will be. Bring that day. In Jesus we pray. Amen.